One Million Musicals was brought to you in part by our patrons, including those in our producer tier. A very special thanks to Nicole Morgan, Carol Schmitz, Ilana and Zachary Ben Shmuel, Robert Batchelor, Taylor Fagans, Bobby Keenan, Kyle Sanger, and Christine Marshall. If you'd like to help support independent, accessible theatrical experiences crafted especially for your eardrums, you can join us at patreon.com slash one million musicals. The bad times still will hurt you. The good times will feel bleak. The people who support you will oft be scared to speak. But if you share a smile, Herb, and let some friendship in, maybe you can find your hope again. Hi, One Million Musical audience members. This is music supervisor Daniel Clintworth bringing you our sixth ever intermission episode. We are very excited this week to welcome Book of Mormon's Bryce Charles. Hi! It's so good to have you here. (laughs) Happy to be here in this virtual space with you. So for those of you listening, Bryce was just the female lead for our latest episode of One Million Musicals, The Good Ship and Tiffany. It was so fun. It's such an amazing musical. I'm I'm really, really thrilled with how it came out. And of course, you were absolutely fabulous. Thank you. I really loved the material. It was really fun to work with. And I felt like I was able to relate to it very well as well. I think it's completely relatable, especially during these crazy times. Yeah, exactly. It just, it hit really close to home, I felt. Um, so it it was really fun to sort of, you know, to sing the music and then to do the lines and everything and, and feel like, oh, I get exactly where Penelope is right now. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all, I think we're all a little bit Penelope right now. All, well, I don't know. Some of us may be a little bit more Herb. Uh, mm, mm-hmm, yeah, or, or like sort of straddling both. Like, okay, I, I have a little bit of the Penelope, like I want something more, and then I'm jaded like Herb some days too. Well, I mean, we're over a year now into this thing, which is insane. Mm-hmm, crazy. And I definitely think, like I know for me personally, I've started to feel it. I, I did pretty well navigating, but recently I've really started to feel it. Yeah, the pandemic fatigue has hit me pretty hard as well, which is why I really appreciate projects like this, too, because it kind of gives you something to dig you out of that funk, you know? So it, it's it's fun to, you know, work on a project with friends. You're a pal, Dan. So, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's cool for that reason, but also just to, like, sing Again, it's just nice, you know? <laughs> yeah, just to, just to be able to warm up the vocal cords and be like, ah, that's that's right. This is a thing that we do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this is what I have a degree in. So for the audience members listening, uh, Bryce and I met on the second national tour of Book of Mormon years ago at this point. What, four years ago? That's yeah. crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is wild. That's <laughs> insane. so wild. <laughs> I was just thinking about that, getting ready for this interview. I'm like, oh, my God, it has been four years. Yes. So for everyone else who doesn't know you as well as I do, uh, tell us a little about yourself. Um, I am, well, 
Okay, I'll start with the obvious stuff. I'm a singer. I'm an actor, but I'm also okay. I'm also a cosplayer. Um, I'm such a nerd, so I love dressing up. Uh, and I'll do anime characters, Disney characters. I do a lot of Disney. Um, and yeah, I'll some comic book stuff, um, cartoons. I love Steven Universe. I've been doing a lot of Steven Universe cosplay. And when I'm in cosplay, I do covers um, as those characters. So that's sort of been getting me through uh, the pandemic on the creative side. You know, like it's been I'm, I've been trying to use it to fill that void of performing. Um, it's just me at home, you know, dressing up, like literally playing dress up and singing by myself. Um, so it's not exactly the same as performing for folks or with people. Um, but it's it's been nice to sort of interact with like a, you know, online community of cosplayers and, you know, other nerds that love the same like fandoms that I love. Um, so, yeah, it's been that's that's me. Uh, just a big nerd who likes to sing and, and stuff. <laughs> and and seriously, y'all, her cosplays are amazing. Thank like you. they're so much fun. I think the last one that I saw you do was Yzma yes. from Emperor's New yes. Groove, which I was obsessed with. Thank you. I was very proud of that one. I love, I really love that cosplay because I, I was thinking about it for a really long time and I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And it's really I love arts and crafts too. So getting to like hot glue some stuff together and sew, I sew a little bit. So you know, I'm I'm throwing this together and having a good time with it. And yeah, it's it it takes me to a happy place. Well, and as a performer too, like you know, and it's funny because I think, you know, I've I've been aware of of cosplay, the concept of cosplay mm-hmm. for years, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and I know there are some people who get very into it. And I, you know, I, I was a huge, I mean, I basically did that kind of stuff too when I was younger because like I was a huge Lord of the Rings yes. nerd. And so I had like Lord of the Rings themed birthday parties uh-huh. with costumes and all of those, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Star Wars and Harry Potter. I was about to say Harry stuff. Potter, we know, like we have, you know, like robes and wands and, and t-shirts and things. So, and we bonded off of that, you know, when we were on tour and everything. And I've made a lot of friends through um harry potter just just harry potter specifically and i was never sure like how much i could tell people that i loved you know harry potter or any other fandom really because i'm like well yeah i have like i i have actual like costume pieces or like memorabilia and like different you know just like items that i'm like do people actually spend money and just like stock up on these things and I have a lot of friends that, yeah, they'll like buy a robe or a wand. And I'm like, this is great. So I just took it to the next step <laughs> with cosplay. Which, is, which I think is great. Well, and you know, the cool thing is, especially like you said, during these times, I had never thought of it in this light before. Um, for a theater performer, cosplay is kind of perfect, especially yes. when you don't have theater, because you're getting to put on the costume and the makeup and like yep. play a character. Even if it's just for like one cover of a song or a photo shoot, you get to step into this other being's life or situation or whatever. And that's, you know, I'm not an on stage performer, obviously, but I know for people who have been on stage, like that's, a, to me, that's like a great idea of a way to like, give yourself some fulfillment and something to create in that space during this crazy time where we're not getting to go put on the costumes that were <laughs> designed for a show and be that character. You that's know? exactly it. I mean, you, you literally said it perfectly. That's it. That's exactly what it's been for me. And that's why um, it sort of felt natural to just kind of dive into it this past year more than I had before. I would always wait for Halloween to really just like go all out on a costume. And I'm like, I'm, 
sick of waiting for, you know, one time out of the year. And so um, it's it's definitely helped fill that void, but then also just keep me like creative and it crosses over with musical theater a lot because like I'm even planning an alphabet cosplay. Yes. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm planning different things that kind of cross over to the musical theater world that bring more musical theater people in on the cosplay side, if that makes sense. You know, like I have this gown, this sort of like mid to late 1700s gown um, that I wore and covered a little bit of uh, the Skylar sisters in. Yes, I remember that. It wasn't a full, it wasn't a full Angelica uh, cosplay, but I was like, this look is very close, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, let me, (laughs) let me just sing a little bit of this and just have fun with it and then sort of bridge the gap you know, and it's not a big gap, like you were saying, but, you know, bridge the gap from, OK, I'm singing and dancing in costume and now I'm singing a Broadway tune, you know. So then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, this is this is actually really normal for any performer to do. <laughs> Just dress up and sing and post it anywhere. I feel like this next question has kind of already sort of been answered, but I'll ask it anyway in case there's anything else you'd like to talk about. And that is what uh, have you been doing since the start of COVID? Well, um, since we talked about the cosplay side and that that's my own like personal passion project side of getting through the pandemic, um, as far as, you know, we know for everybody work has just been weird and in some industries non-existent and so it was weird navigating the last year but um just before the pandemic hit I had auditioned for a couple of voiceover jobs um and I ended up getting um one prior to the pandemic was a video game and I can't say any more than that it's a video. Of course. <laughs> um, we, we'll update everybody when you can say exactly, something. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I can say that we recorded it at Warner Brothers Studios. Um, so it's not a Warner Brothers video game, but we recorded it there. So that was pretty sick. I can say that at least. And so, but we started with that prior to the pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit, um, we changed everything to, you know, remote voiceover. And so that's been cool. And, you know, Every few weeks, it's been sporadic, just whenever the studio can, you know, get enough of the video game script together to send to me. And then I'll just, you know, record from home in the corner of my uh, childhood bedroom uh, in my parents' house. Um, (laughs) Because that's where I am. That's where I've been for the past year, thanks to COVID. Um, (laughs) Same. You know, you just, you relocate and you you keep hustling any way you can. And so uh, the video game has been a blessing, but then also one of the things I auditioned for. And I mean, I think it might've been like the last in-person callback. It's the last in-person callback or audition that I remember was for Nickelodeon. Um, And so it, it was at Nickelodeon Animation Studios for this callback. And I was like, this is going to be so cool if this happens. And then everything shut down. I didn't hear back. And I just, I it completely escaped my mind. I was just pushing forward like, okay, what is life going to be like? <laughs> and then um, I heard back from them. And so about uh, like a month or two into COVID, I heard that I got that part um, for this new Nickelodeon animation series. And I can't say the title of the show, but <laughs> but it's going to be so great. I'm so proud of it and so excited to be a part of it. Um, and that also has been uh, a more, you know, sporadic um, recording schedule. You know, we'll do a couple weeks and we'll take, you know, a hiatus and then a couple weeks because the animation process is really lengthy and also making sure, you know, getting all the scripts and stuff for every episode. We're sort of trying to plow through, but it just takes time. You know, you stock up on 
content and then you got to take a break and then you keep stocking up. So that's basically how the recordings for this uh, Nickelodeon series have been going. And yeah, that's been a blessing too. And so it's kind of helped me um, stay afloat as far as like my creativity and feeling like a working actor. Um, And in those, you know, those in-betweens, because we only do like one recording a week. Wow. um, And then we'll take, like I said, weeks off sometimes. And so, you know, you just look forward to that one recording session that's you know it's four hours and you're just sitting there and it's group records which is really cool you get to interact with other actors and record in real time with them um so we look forward to it so much and then when you have a week's off you're just like waiting for the next one essentially which can just (laughs) feel like forever um but yeah it's that's been something that uh i've been looking forward to and that's been keeping me afloat that's awesome. I can't wait till we can talk about what they are. Me too. Like, I'm, it's taken everything in me. It's like, I, I feel my brain is working so hard not to say like anything specific or, you sure. know what I mean? <laughs> so if I, uh, if I sounded a little stop and start with my explanation, it's because my, <laughs> my brain is working overtime through the pandemic brain fog that I have. Um, to make sure that I'm saying the right things. <laughs> That's the fascinating like, I mean, I, I don't know. There's a little bit of that in the musical theater world, but I, I think it's much more of a Hollywood thing where it's like you're involved with this like really cool project that you are legally contracted not to talk about Yeah. until like you can't even like you can barely say anything. You're lucky if you can say the studio name. Like, Yeah, I'm just happy I can at least drop the network because that's like really exciting. But they literally. Yeah, it's just oh, it's like, what do you do? You you have this excitement and you want to share. Um, but you just you just can't until the project is like done done yeah and with animation that can take years so we're coming up to a year um, in like April or May I think May wow will be a year of us recording that's crazy <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I'm sure it makes you a little crazy <laughs> a, a little bit also just every time I talk about it with anybody. It's just weird that the pandemic has been, you know, we're over the year hump and it's just, it's just so weird to think about Yeah, because things are just so different and, you know, humans adapt. That's what we do and it's what we have done, but it's still to be in the thick of, you know, a change this drastic, um, worldwide. It's just, it's not something that I think, you know, anybody would have imagined like living through like this and so it's just it's fascinating at the same time as it's exhausting and you know awful some days but then you realize okay we have adapted and we are still pushing through as best we can and that's all we can do and you got to be proud of that you know at the end of the day oh absolutely I think part of what makes it so hard is we live in a society that is instant Mm -hmm. like we want it and we want it now and because humanity has come so far with science and technology and the things we are capable of we have grown used to sort of things just being instantaneously available to us yeah and so our attention span i believe has thus (laughs) become much much shorter oh yeah it's cool that we have all this technology to get us through this time but at the same time it's like we're living through something that technology can fix and is working on, but, you know, it can't, until that works, do anything about getting us back to whatever a quote-unquote normal picture of life looks like. Right. And so 
we as humans nowadays don't do well with the concept of being stuck. Yeah. And unable to sort of get what we want when we want it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, to me, it's just been an interesting experiment almost in humanity. Definitely. And I mean, we've seen humans be very disappointing um, over the past year, and we don't need to go into that, but we know what nope. we know what we talking about. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen people be extremely disappointing. And so every time I look at that, I'm like, God, is this is this where we are? But for every disappointing action, there's also a lot of like positivity, and there's also a lot of camaraderie on the other end of the spectrum. And that is also something that I'm trying to remind myself to focus on as well, you know, because it's so easy to look at all of like the the difficulties and all of the frustrations and anger and all of the disappointments um, and just get caught up and wrapped up in that. And I know I tend to do that myself. So I've been reminding myself, OK, but there are people who really are trying to come together. There are people who are really trying to push forward. There are people who are trying to, you know, just be the best humans that they can be, be kind, be safe, be respectful. And that kind of stuff, like seeing that shine through has also been nice. It's just, it's it's going to be a roller coaster for who knows how much longer. But... <laughs> but <laughs> Correct. You know, <laughs> and it's like, like you were saying, like technology is so great, but it has its downfalls as well. And so I've been balancing, I've been going back and forth on that. I think for the past year, I mean, I've always had a, and we've talked about this um, in great length as well. I've always had a love-hate relationship with social media, um, but it serves such a great purpose during a time like this because you can stay connected and you can continue to, um, to entertain and perform. You can continue to network within any industry. You continue to, you know, connect and network and push forward um, on that front. And so that's been great. But then also it just, it has a lot of, a lot of large downside, I would say as well, social media, because of that sort of like, I guess, mentality of I want something I want it now so if people are doing everything on social media they're like I don't know I don't I guess I'm not sure how to articulate what I'm saying it's so funny because so like pre-pandemic we'd be out in the world around all these people and we'd all be staring at our phones yeah and (laughs) now it's like all we're doing is staring at screens because we can't safely anyway for the most part be in close proximity to other humans so everything has kind of moved virtual and i think we're all learning just how much burnout can come from that it is exhausting we didn't realize how much we needed the humans around us even if we weren't fully paying attention to them i think it was like like you know just being in a crowded restaurant on your phone there's something about the energy in that space between the humans that we need that we are not able to get now. There's a there's more connection through social media, but there's also a, a huge disconnect that was already there. And it just it, it I don't know. It's a weird it's a weird dichotomy. I feel that I, I haven't fully fleshed out in my brain clearly, but you you get where I'm going. <laughs> yes, I think we all do. I think that's the thing. I think we all completely know that feeling even if we can't specifically articulate it like that's where we're all at and again like coming back to the fact that like we're now beyond a year into this thing you know i i deleted my social media last summer mm-hmm. because i was really stressed out about it yeah and 
I was just like, I don't really need this. And I really intended on not having social media again, maybe at all. Yeah. But specifically not for a while. And then a few months later, I started to realize, oh, this thing that I thought might last a few months at most is going to be long term. And then I started to realize, like, my my mode of being able to find any work, maybe even at all, but also just like keeping up with people and and being able to create is going to come from social media. It's a great vehicle for business and for connection. But I mean, you know, there comes a time like especially last summer. I mean, with everything happening in the world, but you know, and on the news, it's just all over social media and I wanted it to be like a positive escape, but it it's also a vehicle. It's a political platform. It's um it's uh, an economical platform. It's a entertainment platform. It's it's all of these different things in one and we can't compartmentalize. Well, you know, I can't do that personally. When I see it, I'm seeing all of it. You know what I mean? And there's only so much the algorithm can do. You're going to get some intrusions, you know, every now and again of like, here's this video of, you know, some horrendous thing that I don't want to see. And now, you know, there's trigger warnings and there's like the whole trigger shield and everything um, put up and you choose to see the content if you want to or not, but you still know what's behind that blur, you know, you still know. And so it's just like, there's, there's just so much being thrown out there. And I think it, it's just, it's overwhelming the senses sometimes. And so I've been trying to cut back, you know, I have such an impulse just when I'm watching TV, eating food, talking with people, like you were saying, you know, we would go out and be on our phones, but I have such an impulse sitting at home to just grab my phone and scroll through Instagram for no real reason. It's just a habit. And I've been catching myself like just subconsciously grabbing my phone. I'm like, why did I grab this? Did I just grab it to scroll? Let me set that back down (laughs) and, you know, do whatever else that, you know, I can be doing in the moment instead of like, being afraid of being in the moment. So I have to like have some sort of buffer and then I'm like, okay, I'll be on my phone. But then everything on my phone is just too much. Yep. And I, cause there's nothing wrong with having information and access. I think that is a beautiful thing and it's helped us, I think have more say in our lives, you know, in every aspect of our lives because there's, there's less lies, but then now it's like, what can we trust? What, you know, what's real, what's not. Um, and then it's a lot of people's opinions. And then, you know, it's just, it's, gets really crowded. Absolutely. And I think that all of that is what I was trying to say earlier. (laughs) Yes. Yes. To all of that. What's one thing you've learned from the challenges of this year? One thing I've learned, um, is that I need to give myself more grace when getting through things that are out of my control. Mm. Um, I have a lot of anxiety and it's because of, you know, this subconscious and also conscious, uh, need for control. You know, sometimes there are things that I know that I want to control and then there are other things that I don't really consciously realize that, oh, I'm trying to control that thing in my life. And all of those things just sort of came just screeching forward into my vision you know, at the top of this, when life halted, all of the stuff just rushed forward and was crowding around me, I feel. And it's a lot of stuff you got to deal with all of a sudden. Um, and I was judging myself. I was really hard on myself. 
I would get into funks or ruts and I wouldn't, you know, keep up with my voice or I wouldn't keep up with any other, you know, parts of my craft for, for, you know, large periods of time. Um, and I was then judging myself for that, stop working out. And it was just like, I felt lazy and lethargic and I felt like I didn't have the drive to do the things that I really did want to do. Um, I would have a to-do list that would go on for weeks <laughs> and keep adding to it and nothing would get done. And, and I was just so hard on myself for everything that I wasn't doing or wasn't, didn't feel capable of doing or didn't have the energy to do. But, um, therapy is a beautiful thing. And <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. I've just been, I've, you know, talking through all of those things. It's like, I, life is always going to be difficult for one reason or another. It's always going to throw obstacles at you. But this past year has just been obstacle after obstacle after obstacle with so many different, you know, domino effects that we couldn't foresee. And so navigating that is going to be trickier than anything else we could have imagined. So there have been times where if I hit a wall, um, instead of just like, you know, berating myself with negativity, I'm just trying to give myself a little more grace. You know, if I have an anxiety attack or a breakdown, which has happened many a time this past year, you know, instead of judging myself for being weak or, you know, difficult and not handling a situation, you know, in this really calm and level-headed way, that's just not to be expected of me right now. I can't expect that of myself. I don't expect, I don't expect that of anybody. And so why am I expecting it of myself? You know, so I, I'm trying to give myself the grace that I tend to extend to others. Um, and yeah, just trying to, <laughs> trying to find some sense of balance and learning that this past year um, has been a journey. <laughs> it has been very much <laughs> a journey uh, with many and up and down. But um, I'm, I feel like I'm starting to understand what that means and, and implementing that, which has been nice. And I'm very grateful to have gained that. That's awesome. Do you have any specific favorite moments from your career thus far? I mean, I really, really loved, yeah, I really loved playing Sarah in Ragtime at the Pasadena Playhouse. That was a really cool experience. And I feel like I, I learned a lot and I grew a lot from that um, experience because it, it's, it was a dream role and I was really intimidated by it because it was a dream role and because of Audrey McDonald. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not like you were following in the footsteps of a six-time, seven-time Tony Award, however many Tonys she's won at this point. You know, like, that, it, just all of that. All of that. And um, it was a great cast, great experience, and then because of that experience, I was nominated for um, an Ovation Award um, for Best Featured Actress playing Sarah, and that, like, being dressed up and going to, like, an award show. And then we... Um, we uh as a cast one and so that was really exciting to you know be able to just like experience what that is like red carpet we're all dolled up and we're proud of this show that we did with a beautiful story a very very relevant like timely story um isn't it crazy how it's still so relevant like it is we should be so beyond we commented on that constantly i mean constantly especially with um i mean with every aspect of the story honestly Yep. Like every aspect of the story, it, it was it, it blew my mind. Uh, so yeah, that it was it was just so poignant, and being a part of something like that, 
is just, yeah, it'll always be really special to me. That's awesome. Yeah, that remains one of the things I'm mad about is that I didn't get to see you play that role. It was a special experience, especially because the Pasadena Playhouse is just, uh, it's a great location, great space, and it has such a history. And it has such an amazing history that, I mean, some really cool people went to see the show. I got to meet Brian Stokes Mitchell. <laughs> that blew my mind. Uh, Darren Chris came to the show, but that's also because one of his best friends was in the show. And so that was really cool too. Um, Cause I'm also a fan of his, of his friend, Dylan Saunders, who's a star kid. It's another nerd fandom that I love. Um, and so, yeah, it, I just got to work with some super cool people that I already admired and new people that I really admire now. And um, Jason Alexander came to the show uh geeked out over that one that was that was crazy cool uh yeah yeah it was just it was a wild experience in the best way i mean i heard nothing but amazing things next time you and i get together in person we'll sing some ragtime yeah because then i can at least yes. hear you sing it. <laughs> uh what is one thing you're excited about right now be it a new hobby tv show brand of socks anything um i am such a nerd for so many different things uh i don't i just i really don't know how to pick like just one thing sometimes uh, i get really indecisive um i mean i'm the same so don't feel bad if you can't narrow it down to one can you maybe narrow it down to two well and i'll also try and focus on something that we haven't talked about today like because i can easily say like cosplaying or like anime like because I've been binging a lot of anime lately but like something that's different so um a hobby of mine <laughs> is studying Japanese um Ooh. that I've <laughs> yeah and I'm I've just really enjoyed it it's something completely different and it's working a different part of my brain and it feels you know academic which my college experience wasn't like the typical academic college experience because I went to a conservatory, like a, a performance arts, wow, a performing arts conservatory. <laughs> <laughs> My pandemic brain is like running out of juice, but what a performing arts conservatory school. And so, you know, it was just singing and dancing and acting all the time and like some writing classes and stuff. But when it comes to like just actual like here, let me take notes. Let me learn something completely different, completely outside of my comfort zone and have to apply it that <laughs> I don't I just wasn't sure if my brain still had the capacity honestly especially during a crazy year like this so um a bit before the pandemic I had been doing like Duolingo I was like just you know learning Japanese on Duolingo and then I bought like a textbook so I could like learn how to write and so I can read and write um in two out of the three Japanese scripts there's uh <laughs> there's hiragana katakana and kanji and i can read and write in hiragana and katakana wow um kanji are the chinese symbols the chinese characters rather so those ones are going to take me like years and years and years and years but <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm making my way um when i watch anime i can kind of like pick out different words and phrases now and understand like context at least a little better I am nowhere near like being able to like speak, speak, like just like have a, a conversation, even if it's a, you know, simple conversation. I'm just not confident enough yet, but I'm doing um, an Instagram based uh, self-study. Like it's a guided self-study where there's a, a, a teacher that um, gives us different um, 
uh, tasks every week to, to focus on and to study on uh, with the language. And at the end of the week, they give us corrections and some guidance. And so it's not like a, a formal class, which I think would have been too much for me, honestly. Um, but a guided self-study is nice because it's still someone to hold me accountable. <laughs> and, you know, it's still incentive to study a couple of times every day or at least a couple of times a week. Um, and yeah, I've been, I've been really like pumped about it lately. Cause I feel like it's sticking in my brain and concepts that I learned like a year ago that I thought were really tough now make sense. And so it's, it's exciting. So that's something I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's a hot, a new hobby that I'm happy about now, nowadays. That's I'm, I'm doing the Duolingo thing. I'm revisiting my French because I studied it in like high school, college, but it's been, I mean, it's been so long and I never felt like I was super proficient. Like I just wasn't as good at it as I wanted to be then. So I was like, I'll revisit it. But you, you are, you are clearly much braver <laughs> to attempt to attempt. I mean, cause I don't know. I don't know. I feel like when most people are like, I'll learn a new language. Let's see like Spanish or German or French. Yeah. And, they pick something with at least like the same root language. And you're like, let's do Japanese. <laughs> Which, because why not? <laughs> I mean, there's just the sentence structure, the sounds. I mean, there's some sounds that we have in English that like just don't exist in Japanese. Like L, that they have an R sound that can kind of sound like an L to our ear, but they don't actually have like a true like L sound like we do, like English speakers do. And so like learning those things, I'm like, it's actually kind of fun for me because there's also a pitch accent. Um within the language and that really scared me at first but the more I hear it I think my, it's my, probably my singing background and my music background I, I hear it and I'm like okay that makes sense to me and I sort of I can parrot things back you know <laughs> when I hear a recording I'm like okay that makes sense and I can sort of mimic the cadence and the pitch and then it became a little less daunting. There's still, I still have such a long way to go, like years and years to go. But that's why it's exciting because I don't know. I, I feel like the tools that I have from my singing background kind of lend themselves to learning a language that is so tonally different. Yeah. From from English, you know. So it's a cool. It's definitely an undertaking, but it's it's a cool challenge. That um, again, the more I just commit to it, the more I'm realizing my brain is actually sort of rewiring and understanding. So that's been a delightful surprise. Again, especially with my pandemic brain, because as we can see in this interview, <laughs> sometimes my brain completely shuts down and I just feel like I'm not coherent at all. Sure. And I, you know, or I have a clear thought, but I just don't always know how to express it. I don't get to interact with humans as much as I used to and just like have you know, thoughtful conversations as much as I used to. So when I do, sometimes things fall into place. And then other times I feel like my ideas get ahead of my motor function, you know, of my, uh, they get ahead of my brain. Right. And so when it comes to learning a language like Japanese, I'm like, Bryce, girl, what, what are, what are we doing? What are we doing with this decision? And then when it actually starts clicking I'm like, oh, snap. Like, I can actually write in hiragana and katakana without, like, thinking too hard about it. Like, it just, I look at the characters now, and I'm like, yeah, I know what this means. And um, it's just, I don't know, it, it kind of made me feel like, okay, my brain, there's, like, hope for my brain. You know what I mean? There's, like, oh. <laughs> you're not You're not permanently trapped in pandemic brain. Yeah, I, <laughs> there's, there's hope, there's a way out. Um, and it, it, because it's so different from everything else that I do when it comes to, you know, my career and my passion, 
it's just so nice to have something so separate and so different to focus on. Well, and it it's such a beautiful it really is such a beautiful language and, it is. and, and such a, a fascinating culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. I agree. I agree. And so, and when you learn a language too, this is what I was learning. Um, a couple years ago, I started learning sign language um, just because I was, I'd watched Switched at Birth. It was this ABC family show. And so I started learning based off that show. And then I just started learning on my own. And then I ended up, um, a good friend of mine, her partner, um, is deaf and is uh, an ASL teacher. And so by the time I met her, I already still remembered a lot of uh, ASL. But the more that I would, you know, I took a couple of like um, ASL classes with her, uh, like one-on-one lessons. And it was, she was like, you, you know, learn de- about deaf culture. Here's some readings about deaf culture. And I was like, yeah, when you learn a language, you, you need to learn the culture so you understand how they use their language and why they use their language in that way. And so the same thing with Japanese. There's, there are a lot of like cultural tidbits and different textbooks that I've, um, that I've read through. And then it makes a lot of sense because the language, it's a very polite language. And there's a lot of formalities Within the language, I'm like, oh, why are there so many different tiers of formality? Like, there's polite, and then there's formal, and then there's casual, and then there's, like, just really chill. Like, we're buddies, and we're, like, the same age, and so we can just speak how we want to speak. And so I was like, why is this so much? And then you learn about the culture, and then you're like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and then it starts making sense. And then those words and those different things and the honor- the honorifics and everything that go with names and stuff, they stick. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 been really it's been really cool, really fun and different. And I like it. I love that. Plug yourself. Tell us about your website, your social, any upcoming projects you want our audience to know about. Well, um, I am on Instagram and that's basically just where I live is Instagram and YouTube. Um, so I'm on Instagram as uh, Bryce underscore Charles. That's my actor page my sort of just this is who I am as a performer and then there's uh bryce.cosplays bryce.cosplays is my pride and joy um (laughs) because it's just that's the really real side of me I feel just like the nerd that's just like living her best life so that's me on Instagram and then there's Bryce Cosplays YouTube as well um that's where all of my full videos are um my cosplay covers and I want to start pumping out some more YouTube specific content of you know, how I make my cosplays and how I do my hair because I have this really big afro and I am so proud of my hair and I try to use it as much as possible um, in my looks, even if it's not the typical look for the character or for the time period. So I make her work. So (laughs) yeah, I have a lot of fun playing uh, on those platforms and that's where you can find me. Yes, and seriously, do go check out her cosplay page. It's incredible. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, and finally, what is the best piece of advice you'd give to any aspiring performers out there? Keep doing what you love, do it for you and do it to the best of your ability. And that's all, that's all you have control over and the rest will fall into place if and when it's meant to. And that doesn't define what you do and how you do it. It's just a great part of it that comes from all that hard work. So keep pushing and keep having fun with it and loving it for yourself. And I wish y'all the best. 
everyone's journey is their own journey. Like no matter, you know, if you can look at anybody's resume and think, oh, they've done so much or they're at this point in their career, I want to be there. But that person is also looking ahead and, you know, looking at someone else with an even greater resume and pushing to be even further. So there's always somewhere to go and there's always ways to grow. And, you know, it, you, you can't get stuck looking around at other people's, <laughs> other people's resumes, other people's lives, you know, stay in your lane and, and enjoy it. This keeps coming up to me for whatever reason, and clearly the universe is trying to send me a message as well. But uh, there's that there's an expression that goes something like, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. Hey, hey, okay? <laughs> so That's a word. <laughs> everything you just said, 100% true. It's We're all in a different place in our journey, and it's so easy to look at somebody else who may be further along than you and be like, oh gosh, why can't I just be there or I should be there or whatever. And and the fact of the matter is keep doing your thing and one day you will be there. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're meant to be there, you will be there. It just takes time. And unfortunately, time is the one thing we do not have control over no matter how much we wish we did. <laughs> exactly. And to tack onto that too, mental health, mental health, mental health. <laughs> Amen. Take care of your mind, take care of your spirit. And then you will really, really just be impervious to all of those outside things that are out of your control. And it's so much easier said than done. I'm saying it now and I'm still only a fraction of the way in my journey with that. But yeah, if you commit to working on your mental health and providing that for yourself, you know, a self-care practice, routine, something that lifts you up, allows you to release negative energy and just you know, be the best version of yourself you can be and get to know yourself and love yourself as much as possible. I mean, you start doing those things and all the other stuff, you know, can just kind of melt away. Well, Bryce, this is so much fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Intermission. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And if you haven't already listened to the latest episode, The Good Ship and Tiffany, please, please, please check it out. You can find it here on the podcast platform you're currently listening to. Or if you want to switch it up just because you can, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, your preferred platform. Or you can even listen at our website, www.1millionmusicals.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. This is Chief Audio Engineer Travis Cook-Johnson. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Intermission. This episode featured Dan Clintworth and Bryce Charles and was edited by Dan Clintworth with additional editing by Travis Cook-Johnson. We are always looking for more talent here at One Million Musicals. If you're an actor, writer, musician, composer, director, editor, you name it, please submit your application to castme1mm at gmail.com. Again, that's castme1mm at gmail.com. Thanks again, and have a great day. Hi, my name is Eve Sturgis, and I have one question for you. Did you ever think about how much sex it takes to build a family tree? Those recreational DNA companies like 23andMe and Ancestry have such wholesome commercials about being Irish or Italian and connecting family and learning about heritage. But really, it's all about sex. Trust me, I made an entire podcast talking with people about the shocking discoveries and the deep, dark secrets that come to the surface with a few drops of spit. Season three of Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is coming at you April 16th from Campfire Media on all the pod platforms. 